0: Morning. I'm thankful that you're here today. And if you have your Bibles, turn to Philippians chapter two, and uh, we're going to get there in just a second. You know, uh, I got a I got an email from one of our college students the other day, and uh, he he's in this philosophy of religion class at OSU, and he said to me, um, I have a couple of questions. He said, um, Did did God talk to people directly? And, and then he said. Um, when, when did God stop talking to people? And then he asked a third question, why doesn't he talk to us directly anymore? And, and, it's, and as we, uh, Rob Lewis and I both tag-teamed this response to him, and we're looking forward to kind of getting together with him. But, but I, so, I said to him, God still speaks to people. God has spoken to people. And, and you know, the truth is God's speaking today and every time we come together and and open up God's word anytime you do that at your house anytime you um are just by yourself God speaks through his word God speaks through his holy spirit and and, and you know we we just process this a little bit with him that 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 God spoke to the prophets and through the prophets, I mean, and, and these prophets have written these things down, and and God has spoken. God um, God spoke to people through dreams at times. Um, God spoke to um, to people directly, and and God's Holy Spirit is at work now, and and He's speaking now. Now, the one thing that we can do as believers to to gauge whether or not it's God is is does it contradict his word? I had a guy one time when I was a youth pastor come to me and, and try to tell me that, that God has spoken to him about leaving his wife and marrying somebody else. And I was like, no, that's, that's, that's the burrito you just ate, bro. Uh, that, that is not God. Because God does not contradict his word. And, and you know, what's amazing is, is I had a two-hour coffee yesterday morning with a man in in our church, God spoke. God spoke to him, and and I'm not going to share his full story right now because it's going to be later. But but um, when when he's baptized, it's going to be amazing. But but he, he he sat at Starbucks yesterday with me and tears in his eyes and saying, "God God spoke to me and I, I've gotten saved." And in my whole life, things have changed in his life and and it was amazing to, to 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 sit there in that moment and hear him articulate, God spoke to me. And and this is the the just what happens as believers. And it's interesting as I look at our this college student that that to, and I'm excited to get to process this with him, as 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 so many people in the world are skeptical. And when we say God has spoken in a, in a world that doesn't know God, go they they say, "Really? I mean, you seriously? God spoke to you? Whatever." And woo, you know, that's what they think. But the reality is, it's normal for us to hear the Lord speak, and and, and this is just part of what it means to be a believer, a, a follower of Christ. And this is why I pray that every day that we are a church, a group of people that are, are seeking the face of God and, and turning our ear to his voice and, and, and are, are paying attention to what he says. And, and when God speaks to us, we're quick to move. And, and this is why you'll hear me say all the time, I pray that, that we move immediately. When, when God tells us to move, we move. Now, now, God has spoken in many ways, but can I tell you the Bible reveals that one of the most significant ways that God has spoken to the world is through Jesus. I mean, God himself entered human history, and, and he spoke, and he, and he lived, and he, and he taught, and, and he, he healed, and he did these miraculous things. And, and you know, when you, when you encounter people, you know, most of them go, yeah, okay, Jesus is a good guy yeah, okay, I I can, I can dig Jesus a bit. But, but the the truth is so many in the world don't understand who he really is. That, that, that Jesus is, uh, God God revealed himself. God wanted us to know him. And it's important that we understand what the scripture reveals, how the scripture has spoken about who Jesus really is, that he's God. Now, um, you know, as, as, Bible-believing Christians, we, we understand that, that, we, we, that Jesus was God incarnate. Now, that's a big theological word that, that means that he was in the flesh, that, that God became, he came in the flesh. And, and we've looked at this, and, we've, and we continue to look deeply into this idea that, that, that Jesus is, was not just a teacher or a religious leader, or he, he was actually God who walked the earth. And now his Holy Spirit, when he left and ascended into heaven, his Holy Spirit is with us. And he speaks to us, and he guides us, and he leads us. and And this is why I think C.S. Lewis is right when he says that 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 Jesus cannot be mildly important to us. And this is the prayer that that as we look at this book of Philippians, Paul is writing to the church at Philippi, and he's saying, "Look, you've got to understand this. You got work to do. You're, you're planted in this city to make a difference. And 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 like we looked at last week, you got to love one another, and 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 forgive one another, and come together." And, and and then he's like, look, uh, don't, pay, like Philippians 1, pay attention to your life. Live in a manner worthy of the gospel, he says. That, that because of what Jesus has done and how he has spoken, it, it should impact the way we act on, uh, you know, in our lives. I played tennis yesterday, and I'm always convicted when I play tennis because I lost in my match, and I don't like losing very well. And, and, and so I have to watch my my attitude and my life. And I'm like, always praying, Lord, help me here represent you. And I work on that. And I pray that we all do or are saying, Lord, let us walk with you. And and see, we, we need to understand Jesus and who he is. And, and, and this morning, uh, you know, this is a this is going to be some mental sweat today. There are times you look at the scripture and you and we we we've got to reject this McDonald's spirituality, uh, that that drive-through. Let me just hey tell me what I need to know about God and I'm going to be on my way. There are many times in scripture that you read something and you're like, well, I got to think about that for a while. And and I got to wrap my head around that and my heart around that and and I got to meditate on that and, and Philippians two five through eleven is one of those passages. I'll be honest with you, there's a there's a there's an aspect of this passage that, that I'm gonna fall short of, of explaining today, and I've it, it's difficult to to grasp because here we are in our finite state, our our humanity. And we're striving to grasp the eternal, omniscient, omnipresent God of creation who is outside of time, who had no beginning and has no end. And here we are going, okay, wow, that's bigger than what we can understand. But at the same time, God has spoken and he wants us to know him and he's revealed himself to us. Now, this, this morning... We're going to be grounded in a biblical doctrine. And this is, doctrine is important. What you believe about God, all of us are theologians. You know that, right? Every one of us are theologians. What's, what's, what's theology? It's the study of God. And every one of us have uh, ideas and thoughts about what you think about God. And it's important that we remember because we, li- we live in this culture that is saying we need to update the Bible, we, we need to, you know, we got to update this thing. But, but the reality is we aren't shaping God. He's the one shaping us, right? Like, like it's his word that it, this is why when we come across a belief that we hold that is contrary to Scripture, what do we do? What, what must we do? Well, we change our belief to line up with Scripture, right? When we come up with, a, with, with practices in our lives that, that are contrary to Scripture. Well, we're, we're compelled by the Lord to, to, to line up with Scripture and, and change our practices. Now, Philippians 2 is a, is a fascinating passage of Scripture. Would you stand with me? And as we do this, I want to just state this biblical doctrine before we get into the Scripture. This biblical doctrine of Christ is this. When Jesus came into the world... Jesus Christ was fully God and fully man in one person. And he will be so forever. Now I want you to think about that. This belief, this, 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 this revelation from God's word that Jesus, when he was walking the earth, was fully God. He was fully man at the same time. And you know what? he's going to be that way forever. Philippians 2 verse 5 says this. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. But he emptied himself. By taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself... Thank you, maybe may be seated, and I love that. I mean, this doctrine, when Jesus entered human history, when Jesus came into the world, Jesus Christ was fully God. He was fully man in one person, and he's going to be that way forever. Now, look back at verse 5. Paul writes to the church, he says, Have this mind among yourselves, you know, the, the which is which is yours in Christ Jesus, we're to have the same mind as Christ. We're to think like him. And, you know, this is what God is doing. He is shaping us. He is, he is getting our attention. He is, he is uh, drawing us to himself and speaking to us. Who though, and it says, verse 6, who though he was in the form of God, did not count, account, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. Now, now, what is what is he saying? What is this passage revealing about God? And let's wrap our head around this. Point number one is that Jesus is God with eternal existence. Now, this this is difficult for us to grab a hold of, but all through the Scripture it reveals Jesus as eternal. That that and then this is this is huge. This is what changes, what divides us from Mormonism and 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 Jehovah's Witnesses and, and these other uh, believe, these other ideas out there that, that are that try to get us to say, oh well, we're just like you, but no, no, we're not, because right here, Jesus is God. He was eternal. He wasn't created. And and this, he 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 is eternal. And, and, and we see this all through Scripture. For instance, John 1, 1 through 5, Jesus reveals, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word there, Jesus is saying this of himself. And he was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him not a thing made that was made. In him was life. And the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. You see, it's important to recognize that that Jesus wasn't just a a prophet or a great teacher or or a great man. The Bible says that He was God, and this is important for us to grab a hold of, and understand and realize. Like Jesus is God, the Son who existed with God the Father and God the Holy Spirit from the from the beginning of time. And, and this is what is revealed in scripture about him. And this is important for us to, 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 to wrestle through. And it's not something that we can quickly just go, oh, okay, I, I get it. Oh, let me explain it. No, it's something we, we, we've been, it's been revealed to us. This is who God is. And in our human attempts, we can't understand it. And, and and but it's the one thing. This idea is the one thing that separates us. It makes us Christian. The idea of Trinity. You've heard that that now that the word Trinity is that that word is not in Scripture, but all through Scripture we see the Trinity revealed. That God reveals a Trinity in the Bible: God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Now I, I we have a group of kids that that meet at our house on sunny nights and, and, and we've been going through these different things and, and, uh, and, and uh, it was fun to mess with them last Sunday. I messed with them last Sunday and I want to mess with you. I told them I'm going to do this in church Sunday. So I'm going to mess with you like we did last week. I mean, didn't you love Chad's question last week uh, about standing up if you're called to ministry? Bruce came up and said, man, I knew I was supposed to stand, but I didn't. That was fun. But I want want you to think about this question. Just a few weeks, a week and a half ago, I preached Pete Cantrell's funeral. I loved Pete Cantrell. He was a deacon at First Baptist Ada that impacted my life. It was such an honor to get to go and preach his service. And, okay, so here's the question When Pete died, what did he see? He was a believer. Did he see one God, or did he see two gods or three gods? What did he see? And and I asked. That was about what the group did last week. Wow! Uh, and they they then I go well. Uh, they, they said, "Tell me the answer. You just tell us. What did he see?" Um. And I was like, "Hey, look, I'm not Google. Come on. You you just want me to." You just want me to answer for you? Think about it. Think about what did he see? Did he see one God? Did he see two, the Father and the Son? Did he see the Father, Son, Holy Spirit? That's kind of an interesting question, isn't it? You want me to tell you the answer? No, think about it. Y'all think about it. How many gods do we worship? One. One God. Now, the Scripture reveals God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. This doesn't mean we worship three gods. We just sing about it. One God do we serve. The scripture's clear on this. But yet at the same time, he has manifested himself in three persons. And, and you know, it's, this, this has flaws, what I'm about to say. But, but this idea shouldn't surprise us at all because it seems that God has created this Trinitarian idea that, that when you think about space, you think about height length and depth, space is one. When you think about time, you think about past, present, and future, but time is one. When you think about a person, each one of us as a body, soul, and spirit, even though we're just one, and we worship one God who demonstrated himself in three ways, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Now, I'll be honest with you. All three of those have flaws in them. But I want us to recognize this. This is very important. We worship one God who revealed himself in three persons. Now, the doctrine of the Trinity, the Lord our God is one living and true God whose essence cannot be comprehended by any but himself. The person of the Father, the person of the Son, the person of the Holy Spirit are in are in one essence God, God in one in essence and three in person, the Trinity and the Trinity in unity, equal in glory and co-eternal in majesty without beginning and without end. Now that's a complex statement, but it was the, we had our ordination council last Sunday, with Daniel and Rob Lewis, we're ordaining them on, on uh, January 29th. And, and that's the answer for what is your belief in the Trinity. And if you want that, you can email me. I'll e- email that to you. But, but the point is, we serve one God. And we need to recognize that. Because we'll get people that will come to us and go, you know, you worship three gods. No, we worship one God who has revealed himself in three persons. So when we die, we will stand before God. And I think in that moment, we're going to go, whoa, I get it. The Trinity, I get it. And you know what that's going to cause us to do? To get on our knees and say, wow, you are the king of all kings and the Lord of all lords, and no one is like you. And that's the reality. It's Colossians 1, 15 and 16, this is an important verse. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. From the very beginning, God the Son was intended to be the one was to come and save us. And this is why I look back at verse 7 in Philippians. This God, Jesus, he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. And I'll tell you, I cannot get away from this, that that the moment we stand before God, and we see him, when, when, when I take my last breath and I am in the presence of God, I'm gonna be like, wow, whoa. You mean you, you, holy God, emptied yourself and came to earth and died. And I believe when we see this and grasp this, will understand the futility, the, the stupidity of worshiping money or putting anything else in front of our Savior and Lord. And this passage is so important. It is so important that we understand and see God in his glory and, 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 and in his majesty that, that it's, it's beyond our explanation. And I don't know about you, but I don't have a problem Serving a God that I can't fully understand. And people will say to me, well, uh, how do you explain the Trinity? I'm like, I I struggle to explain the Trinity. I just see it in Scripture. And I've accepted it because he's God and I'm not. And this is important to see. but, But point number two is so incredible that God humbled himself to become a man. I mean he emptied himself, look at this verse seven, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form. I mean I mean John in John one, um, Jesus said, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. I mean, think about that: God became flesh and, and chose to dwell among us, and we have seen his glory glory as as the only son from the father full of grace and truth and and and, and you know what I, this make I'm so grateful I'm so grateful that God did this. I read a story about a little girl who, who was uh, in, in a, it was a thunderstorm going on. And we know what that's like in Oklahoma. And the thunder was just loud. And, and, and she called her mom, mom, she's crying. Her mom comes into her room and says, honey, what, what's going on? And, and she's like, I'm scared, I'm scared. She goes, honey, God's with you. And, and they, they talked about the Lord. And she goes, okay, okay, mom left. The, th- the storm continued, and, and she kept crying, and, and she goes, so her mom comes back in, honey, honey, remember, I told you God was with you. She goes, I know, Mom, but so I need someone with skin on. I need someone with skin. And, and, and you know what? Aren't you grateful that God came with skin on why is this such a big deal why why is this is this so important for us because because why why is it big that Jesus came with skin on that God put skin on it, it, it's this he He was born like us, and then this is what he did he He came to earth to be born like us, he made himself nothing he came into the world like like billions of other babies uh and and, and you know it's so incredible that 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 he chose this this entrance that wasn't flashy. It was this obscure town in Bethlehem. I mean, out in the country, the boondocks. That that remember the, they said, "Who comes from from Nazareth?" Are you kidding me? God entered human history in this incredibly humble way, but, but, but when he came into the, earth, the world, he didn't stop being God. It's just like the, the boy at Passion Week that said to me that he was wrestling through this idea that, you mean Jesus didn't sin as a toddler? I'm like, that's a great question, buddy. No, he didn't. He was always God. Now, what's interesting is about Jesus, and, I, and I, I'll be honest, I don't fully understand this, but he, he was born like us, but he also grew like us. And this is so interesting. Luke 2.52 is an interesting passage that says that, that Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. That's one of those passages I, I don't fully understand. But I see God chose, he chose to empty himself. And he, he grew like we did. And that's an incredible reality um, you know, he, he grew like us. And, and here's another important moment that, that God emptied himself. You know that he was tempted like us. I mean, I, mean, I love this. Hebrews chapter 4 uh, says this, for, verse 15, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet he was without sin. And see, that's amazing to realize that, that Jesus was tempted like we were. This is critical. He, he experienced the pressures we face, the, 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 the struggles we face. And this is why he's one that can relate to us and relate to you and me. And, and, and he, he, he did it all without sin. You know, and this is incredible too. Jesus hurt like us. I mean, that, that, that's amazing to me that he would hurt like me. And, and, you know, he felt pain, disappointment. He got tired. He got fatigued. He felt lonely at times. He grieved. He cried. I mean, uh, he, he, he hurt like us. I mean, like, like just the, the, the mystery of Jesus in the garden. God, if this, Father, if this cup could pass from me, let it. I mean, he hurt like us. And, and I, 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 Matthew 26, 38, the sorrow is so great it almost crushes me, Jesus said. He knew what, knew what it was like to feel pain. And, um, and, and you know what? He did this so he could be our Savior. You know, we, we see this. We realize this, that, that uh, like, he look, look back. He says he, in being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. You see, the Bible tells us, this passage tells us that God the Son saved us by the cross. This is how he saved us. He went to the cross and saved us. The, the cross demonstrated God's love and complete payment for you and for me. And this is the big deal about the cross that the First Peter one 20, or excuse me two twenty four says that He Himself, Jesus Himself, bore our sins in His body on the tree, so that we might we might live for righteousness. By His wounds, we've been healed. Right. This is what He did. This is who He was. This is who he is. Jesus came to rescue us from our greatest struggle, which is the sin in our lives, our weakness. That's why he came. And it was so amazing yesterday, sitting at Starbucks with this man that's been here a long time, that said, you know what? I don't know how I've been going through these motions, in, but, but I've been going through the motions my whole life. And I got saved on Saturday sitting by myself in this moment that God spoke to me. And it's my prayer. that We recognize what Jesus did for us. It's not our work. It's not our efforts. It's what he did. What Jesus, the Bible tells us that he did this for two reasons. God, God went to the cross to demonstrate his love for us. You know, you've had people in your life that would say, I love you, but didn't show you. Jesus didn't do that. Jesus demonstrates his love for us, that that even though we were sinners, Christ died for us. And what's amazing about him emptying emptying himself, he knew that I was going to fail. He knew that I was going to be ungrateful. He knew that I was going to just go my own way and say, God, I just don't want to follow you. I love the song we sang, prone to wander so I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. That's the story of my life. I'm your pastor, but I struggle with that still. But yet God demonstrates his love for me, that, that He, even though I was a sinner, he died for me. He, he did this to, to, to pay for my sins, to rescue me from myself, that, that he... He himself bore my sins in his body on the tree so that I would die to sin and live for righteousness. And this is what Paul's saying here. Look at what he did. And, and, and this is why Jesus can't be mildly important to us. You know, you know when, I, when I look at this, the, 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 the lordship of Christ is, is the most natural response for every saved person, right? The, the most natural response for us is, God, I've I, I got to follow you all my days. I, I've got to throw off the sin that so easily entangles me. And this is the message to the Philippians. Hey, you got work to do. You know how big Jesus is. You know how, what a big deal it was that Christ came. Don't treat this flippantly. This can't be mildly important to us, that, you know, Jesus came. And that's why Romans 10, 9, and 10 says, but if because if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. He's Lord. You believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. You know, this is the Lordship of Christ is is just the natural reality of of us coming to faith in Christ and seeing him and who he is. We're compelled to say, God, you are our all in all. You are our king. I'm going to look to you, surrender to your voice. You see, we live in this me-centered Christianity time in the world. But, But see, God has called us to surrender to him to follow him, to take up our cross daily and follow him. And look at verse 9. Therefore, God has highly exalted him. He's, and he bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And, and I don't want us to miss that. That there's going to be a day that even, my, even my, my friend that's an atheist that I love deeply and I've known him since I was a kid. And, he, and he, we completely disagree on everything. There's going to be a day that he says, Lord, you're the Lord. All of us will. And, and, and you know what? That's why this this day of grace that we are in. This is, is so important for us to turn to Jesus. And and on this side of eternity look at him and say, You're Lord, you're my I look to you, I surrender to you, I follow you. Do you see him? Do you see how big it is? That God came to earth. And put on skin. And and can't we hear this call that, Jesus, you, I will seek you. I will follow you. I will listen to your voice. I'll surrender to you. Did you walk in the room today? And when it came to your life, you're like, this is mine. This is mine. And, and and you know life really begins. I promise you, life begins when you go, This is yours. This is yours. That's when life begins for you. I promise you, following Jesus will not be easy. It will never be comfortable. It will never be safe. I'll never forget reading this book called The Barbarian Way by Erwin McManus as I was flying to Mexico. And and my kids were little, and I'm on this mission trip, and and, uh, and Erwin McManus asked his son, he said, um, his son asked him, Dad, would you ever put me in a situation that's unsafe? And his dad looked at him and said, I absolutely would, son. And that shocked me. I was like, what? Put your kid in a situation that's unsafe? He goes, then he asked this question. How many of us have ever asked God that question? God, would you ever put us in a situation that's unsafe? Absolutely he would. I mean, John the Baptist, Paul, every Peter, all the disciples, they lived a pretty unsafe journey in this world, but man, there's nothing like following Jesus, and when you see him, man, you can't help it. Would you let go and come to him today? I wish so bad. I wish so bad I could take my heart and just put it in you for a minute, to experience what forgiveness is like and what hope is like, what peace is like. Come to Jesus. Do you stand where you are.